Hello, and welcome to Exploring the Divine Feminine. I'm your host, Ramona Sidaway, and this is episode number 12. We have discussions about the Divine Feminine, mostly within the context of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Today, we're going to talk about Mary and the Tree of Life. When we think of the scriptural tree of life, the two most common books that come to our minds are Genesis and Nephi. The tree of life as we understand it stands next to, but not necessarily opposite of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Or as I write in my book, we are Adam, the partnership of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and what it means for you. I write about the tree of mortality, about the two trees. And this essay, this has been taken from an essay written by Valerie Kassler. I will have uh, where you can read, where to access this in my show notes so that you can read the original essay that I get most of my information about the two trees. But I discuss the stewardship of the two trees and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I also call the tree of mortality because it's through that tree that we have physical bodies. I do not find it coincidental, though, that the Bible, as it is currently arranged, begins and ends with scripture about the tree of life. So if you notice in Genesis, it opens with the tree of life. Um, more specifically, chapter 2, verse 9, talks about in chapter 3, verse 24. And then it ends in the Bible with Revelations, chapter 22, verses 1 through 2. And the tree of life, so it stands not only at the beginning of mortality, but also at the end of mortality. Because of this, I feel like it is a worthy endeavor to unpack what the tree of life means in terms of our mother in heaven, in terms of Mary, the earthly mother of Jesus, and women in general. Lehi first introduces us to an additional aspect of the tree in 1 Nephi chapter 8 in his famous tree of life vision. His son Nephi then elaborates on his father's vision as he himself is allowed to view it and is guided through the interpretation via a messenger. And we read about that in 1 Nephi chapter 11. One of the most beautiful symbols that the messenger sheds light on for Nephi and for us is the vision of Mary, the earthly mother of Jesus. In fact, it is the very first vision symbol that the messenger brings to the attention of Nephi. Why is that? And why do we regularly give it a brief cursory glance in our gospel discussions in Sunday school, etc.? So in this podcast, we're going to take a broader look at the tree of life and what it has represented in the past and what it continues to represent. The tree of life symbolism is actually saturated throughout not only the Old Testament, and I give examples of that. If you want to follow me on Medium, medium.com, it's a, another platform that I 
put my articles and essays on there weekly, like I do here. And you can actually find most of those links that I refer to in my essay and my podcasts. So you can go on there on medium.com and just look me up or look up Mary and the tree of life. But um, so it's not only in those Old Testament scriptures, Exodus, Numbers, Isaiah, Zechariah, just to name a few, but of various Middle Eastern religions. For us, the tree of life symbolizes many things, eternal life, the presence of God, the love of God and the Savior himself. For Adam and Eve, then, when they left the presence of the garden and the tree, Symbolically, they also left the presence of God. When we view that departure from God's presence, we and we examine Lehi's tree of life vision, we are witnessing a return to the presence of God. Our eyes are also opened to all the distractions, the temptations, and the pitfalls along the way that try to prevent us from returning to the presence of our heavenly parents. They it's an attempt to prevent our reunion with them. Now, the olive tree, for example, is also a symbol of the tree of life or has been used as a symbol for the tree of life. The ancient Jewish menorah, for instance, likely originated from this sacred tree. Many scholars, uh, Margaret Barker included, believe this sacred tree was the olive tree. And we see a lot of that symbolism um, in the scriptures, it's, you know, where it, it concerns Christ and uh, many other allegories. In fact, we have another sacred tree allegory when, that we read about in Jacob, in the Book of Mormon, for instance. One of the symbolisms of that tree is that it represents Israel, the chosen ones of God. Consider as well the sacred symbolism of the olive tree as its oil is often used in religious ceremonies, in blessings, healings, anointings. It was used in the Old Testament for anointing kings and priests. Both the Greek and Hebrew names, Christ and Messiah, respectively, both mean, quote, the anointed one, close quote. We can see the power in Jesus' anointing for his calling, for his mission, by his heavenly parents. Now wait, <clears throat> both heavenly parents? Don't I just mean heavenly father? Well, stick with me here on this. If an actual priesthood anointing took place, then yes, his father in heaven, as the revealed knowledge that we currently have about priesthood power, would have been performed, would he would have performed the ordinance. I'm speaking of metaphors at this point, but let's consider the oil that would have been used and where Heavenly Mother factors in this. In ancient Egypt, the tree of life symbolized rebirth and regeneration. We can see that in, you know, in Genesis and in the Book of Mormon. When we enter into baptismal covenants and other covenants on the believer's path, we are also reminded of rebirth of a regeneration of our spirit, our resolve of coming closer to our own reunion with our heavenly parents. That's how we understand the purpose and the direction that the covenant path takes us. 
some early Christians thought of the cross that Christ hung on as a tree of life. This metaphor and symbol are not difficult for from that cross, Christ was able to distribute eternal life to all men. He was able to give us an opportunity of rebirth, of regeneration. And it gave us the opportunity of reunion with our heavenly parents. But another symbolic aspect of the tree, especially the olive tree, heavy in richness and backed by recent archaeological evidence is that it, meaning the tree, the tree, um, uh, the olive tree represents the mother in heaven, the mother goddess. So can you see why I used the plural heavenly parents as both involved in the anointing, how they both are involved in all ceremonial aspects? talk about the symbolism of life that the tree of life represents. We're going to unpack some very natural symbols of the tree of life and many trees in general. So number one, the tree provided nourishment. It was actually called the tree of life. Before they partook of the tree of mortality, meaning Adam and Eve, it seemed that they were regularly partaking of the tree of life. They certainly weren't forbidden to do so before the fall. Number two, this tree of life stood at the center, at the very heart of the garden. The center is also referred to as, quote, the navel or the umphalos of that sacred space. It stood as a spiritual and physical um, uh, umbilical cord, to life as they knew it at that time. Number three, trees in general, especially those that produce flowers and then in turn fruit to partake, are symbols of the creation of new life, of fertility. Number four, trees are also symbolized resurrection and eternal life, whether through dying, quote unquote, in the winter and returning to life in the spring, such as in the deciduous trees, or in the boughs of those that are evergreen. So the tree standing in the center of the garden, a source of nourishment, a conduit to the presence of God, can be seen as the center of the universe, for instance, for those seeking it. Now let's think of mothers in general. For a brief time, we are the center of the universe for our family, both the husband and the children. Uh, remember, I am speaking in generalities, and no, this is not the case for all families. And when my children were young, I felt like the sun, and they were these little earths orbiting around me. I was constantly needed, and though exhausting work at the time, I often missed that feeling of being the center of their universe. As they grew, of course, they became more independent, and while I know I'm still important as a mother and their mother, I'm no longer the epicenter. Now, mothers, especially righteous mothers, provide physical and spiritual nourishment, life, and can be a conduit to God as they teach, mentor, mentor, love, and live life as a disciple of Christ. And none of these attributes are limited to women raising children. Now let's talk about trees as witnesses to sacred events. This is probably my favorite part. 
sacred trees stand as witnesses as covenants are made. We see examples of this from Joshua recording the words of his sermon in, quote, the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak. And that was in the sanctuary of the Lord. That's in Joshua chapter 24. Or Abraham planting a grove of trees in Beersheba and calling, quote, there on the name of the Lord, close quote. That's in Genesis. Jacob building an altar in El Bethel, where God had appeared to him, burying Rebecca's nurse under a tree that they called, quote, the Oak of Weeping, close quote. That's in Genesis 35. Or how about an angel appearing to Gideon sitting under an oak in Judges chapter 6? Or God speaking to Moses from a tree slash bush that seemed to burn with fire. That we find in Exodus chapter 3. Those trees... Um, in what we now refer to as the sacred grove, were also witnesses. They were witnesses to Joseph Smith's first encounter with God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. And let us not forget that an olive tree was witness to Christ's atonement. Do you see how, how much symbolism and how often trees are present in almost every sacred event and sacred ceremony that we're involved in. In fact, trees are incorporated into temple architecture, into the decor and or other media representing all of what we have discussed so far. Witnessing of covenants, being the center of the universe, the umbilical cord, the conduit between heaven and earth, symbolic of us entering into the presence of God. In fact, early temples including in the church, had living trees in their midst. Women in the church, and I want to emphasize when I say women in the church, because of Eve's title as mother of all living, all women are referred to as mothers, whether or not they are married or have children. So women in the church stand as witnesses of many priesthood covenants that are made in the church. Baptism, sacramental, cer- uh, sacramental ceremonies, blessings, sealings. These examples are merely a drop in the bucket. Other symbolic representations of the power of the sacred tree, of the tree of life, are what are referred to as portable symbols. Now, portable symbols would be such examples as the rod of Moses and Aaron, um, the serpent rod. The um, both of these were kept for centuries in the Ark of Covenant in the Holy of Holies in the first Jerusalem temple. They were missing by the second. The menorah and drum roll, olive oil. Olive oil is also a portable symbol of a sacred tree. With sacred trees symbolizing the mother in heaven, these portable symbols also represent mother. And she becomes intrinsically involved in all of the covenant-making ceremonies, healings, anointings, etc. Anything that you would be using olive oil in a sacred sense. Heavenly Mother is involved. All right, let's circle back to Mary. In 1 Nephi chapter 11, Nephi is given the interpretation of his father's dream. In 1 In verse 8, Nephi is shown a beautiful tree with 
quote, the whiteness of the driven snow, close quote. Nephi, on his own, recognizes that this tree is precious above all. He says that in verse 9. Nephi asks for the interpretation and is and immediately is shown Mary, the virgin in Nazareth, who was also, quote, exceedingly fair and white, close quote. We can see the comparison and direct allusion to the tree. In verse 18, we read something very interesting. The messenger says, quote, Behold, the virgin whom thou seest is the mother of the Son of God after the manner of the flesh, close quote. So one of the most obvious clarifications, one of them, is that the Son of um that the Son of God also has a mother in heaven as well as an earthly mother, and that the messenger was very specific in part. He did not want Nephi to confuse the two. Remember when we talked about how when a woman is identified in the scriptures, it's a signal for us to sit up and pay attention. This is one of those times. For Mary is not just a physical vessel for the body of the Son of God, she is an archetype for the mother in heaven. Let's look at the next part of the visionary explanation the messenger draws Nephi's attention to. Next, Nephi sees Mary holding a child in her arms. <clears throat> this is 1 Nephi chapter 11, verse 20. The messenger identifies the son to be Jesus Christ, quote, the Lamb of God, yea, even the Son of the Eternal Father, close quote. That's in verse 21. I find that very interesting that he brings up the parentage of the Lamb of God, of Jesus. The messenger asks Nephi if he now understands the meaning of the tree. Nephi, from these and other visual metaphors, recognizes that the tree is the love of God. Now, you probably missed something very important and telling in this Nephi narrative. I certainly did. Not once did Nephi identify this virgin as Mary. Right? What? Other Book of Mormon prophets did, Messiah and Alma. But does that not stand out to you? I mean, we assume who he was. We assume that he knew her name, but where is her name? This is kind of cool. One biblical scholar, his name's Matthew Bowen, had an interesting idea. Bowen pointed out that the name Mary most likely comes from the Egyptian root MR. Um, MRI, so there's an I in the brackets, or MRY, both of which mean love or desire. He presents some very interesting arguments as to the authenticity of this theory, suggesting that Nephi chose instead to emphasize the meaning of these roots in his explanation of the tree. So these words, love and desire, are used extensively throughout this chapter. And when I read that, I, it, I looked through, and they are. <laughs> it's like every verse. And in verse 22, where Nephi is describing the tree of life itself, that's the only time both words are used together in the same verse. Now, why? Because Nephi has been shown and, and is showing up us that the tree of life is to be associated with Mary herself. 
These are just my thoughts. I think this is in addition. Um, yes, we know about the association of Heavenly Father's love and about Jesus Christ. And there's m- more than one symbolism, but I, the fact that he starts off showing uh, Nephi, Mary, that's the very first, that's the very beginning of the interpretation of the scripture. We start with, the, with Mary herself before she gives birth. I think that's very telling. So in verse 25, Nephi twice uses metaphors that represent life and love. He meaning he uses water and the tree of life. As Bowen writes, quote, the association of the tree of life with a holy or divine mother figure was present in ancient Israelite religion, close quote. Well, I'm going to read that again because I think it's so important. The association of the tree of life with a holy or divine mother figure was present in ancient Israelite religion. So Mary and the mother in heaven and mothers all represent life and love. And just like the tree of life, which bore white precious fruit, delicious above all other fruit, as Lehi describes it, Mary bore a precious fruit in Jesus, who is also described as coming, quote, from that tree of life, whose fruit is most precious and most desirable above all other fruits, the greatest of all the gifts of God, close quote. And we read about that. We read that scripture in 1 Nephi chapter 15, verse 36. Nephi and Lehi most certainly would have remembered all of the Israelite symbolisms, especially about a holy or divine mother. The messenger knew what Nephi could and could not process. The messenger began with a common motif, a well-known symbol of their theology, and one they carried with them from Jerusalem, which is the presence and knowledge of a holy mother, a divine mother, a mother in heaven. The messenger was guiding him using motifs Nephi was well aware of, molding and shaping his understanding of the tree of life and why this vision was so important. It was so important that this made the cut with Mormon's edits. And we now have evidence of additional apocryphal scriptures that have recently been found with similar visions. Um, The book of Enoch. In chapter 10, I believe, there's a very similar vision uh, that's very, very similar to Lehi. So there's other visions that, are, that have come forth and not just Lehi and Nephi's. Now, I, I dare say that I think there's another layer here. It's just my opinion. But in my research into who the mother in heaven is, I'm not only convinced of her incredible connection with Christ, but the enormous love Heavenly Father has for her. When we read in 1 Nephi chapter 11, verse 22, that the tree is the love of God and is the most desirable above all things, I read into that not only about Jesus Christ, but I read into it the love God has for our Heavenly Mother. She who Mary is an archetype for. Imagine the respect God has for both Mary and and mother. Both were tenderly involved with Christ and he with them. 
imagine the pain of both of them as Christ suffered, both in Gethsemane and on the cross. God knew that the sacrifice of his son was not his alone. We read in the, about his sacrifice in John chapter 3, verse 16, but that Mary and the mother would be suffering as well. And Mary, this sacred tree, was a witness to not only the birth of Christ, but his death on the cross as well. Mary deserves our gratitude and respect. Mother deserves our gratitude and respect. I am not advocating worshiping or praying to either one. So please do not mistake my search for mother as an attempt to replace Christ or Heavenly Father. As I've said, the more I find with archaeological research and what scholars have gleaned from both canonical and apocryphal scriptures, the mother is intrinsically linked to the Savior. We know little about Father, but we do know that everything is done through and points to Jesus Christ. He's the focus. He is the high priest, the true messenger. So when we look for enlightenment about our mother in heaven, we can find so much in the scriptures we have. Thank you so much for uh, listening today. I really appreciate it. These podcasts come out every uh, Friday, 10 a.m., and I will have links in the show notes of uh, my website of how to purchase my book and to medium.com where you can read additional essays about this topic. I write essays about Adam and Eve, about the role of women, about my research into Mother in Heaven. And I'm just finding it incredibly enriching. So thank you so much for joining me. Until next time.